Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. And today, we're doing it live. Together. That's right. We are uh, both right now in uh, New York City. Why are we in New York, Hank? We're doing a thing with Save the Children. Uh, we are going to a gala this evening, or possibly a gala, or possibly a gala, at which we are being feted, or possibly feeded, um, uh, for whatever, for very dubious contributions to yeah. the field of making the world suck less. Yeah, I am, I, I keep people asking me when I'm going to New York, and I'm like, I'm doing a thing with Save the Children, because I feel very awkward about saying what they say that I'm doing. The truth is that we are receiving an award... But we find the, the, the awarding right. of this award to be completely ludicrous, and so... The greater yes. truth is that we uh, have been asked to do something by Save the Children, and we were happy to say yes. We do not generally say no when they ask us to do stuff. So, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different in two ways. First off, Hank and I are both here together, that's nice. Secondly, uh, it's going to be of much lower quality, because we have very little time before we have to put on our extremely fancy suits. It is true. Uh, there is, you may some, hear some jackhammering in the background. That's because it's New York City, you guys. Yep, uh, here in like New York, where the jackhammers never stop. They are making things. That is actually, do you know, that's what they say. They say it's the city that never sleeps due to the 24-7 jackhammering. <laughs> I believe it's, that's the phrase. It started this morning at around 8, which yep. isn't so bad. So, Hank, let me uh, ask you real quickly, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little bit stressed because it's it's pizzamas. Yes, and I need to make a podcast today, and yes. also a video, yes. and also go to a gala gala gala. Should we move directly in to the short poem of the day? In yeah. that case, sure. Hank, I would like to tell you something that is deeply true. I do not have a short poem for today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well that uh, well we've, we've that was a really beautiful poem, John. Thank you. Uh, let's move on to the next portion. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a poem, Hank, while we are talking. But um, I really um, 
Uh, I've already read that Margaret Atwood poem that I usually use in, in times of crisis. Um, You've had too many times of crisis. Oh, okay. We'll use this Dorothy Parker poem, Unfortunate Coincidence. Okay. Um, I have a list of uh, short poems on my phone uh, in case of emergency, and we are in one. So we're going to use this Dorothy Parker poem, Unfortunate Coincidence. By the time you swear you're his, shivering and sighing, and he vows his passion is infinite, undying, lady, make a note of this. One of you is lying. Oh, dang. Dorothy Parker. Unfortunate coincidence. Um, so let's uh, move on now to questions from our readers while Hank is looking up the news from Mars. Um, let's do some questions, John. They can hear you clicking away they at can't. your keyboard. They can't. It would have been fine if you had just kept quiet. All right, Hank, this question is from Jeff. It's vitally important. Dear John and Hank, I just came from the dentist, and why do dental hygienists want to carry on conversations with you while they are scraping away at your teeth? It's not like I can answer with your hands in my mouth. I suggest if you must talk, keep the questions to yes and no ones, and I will give a thumbs up or thumbs down to indicate my answer. Well, here again, we have come to Dear Hank and John... Uh, with questions, John is qualified to answer. Oh John, my God. a man who has had many people's hands inside of his mouth. So many. I, I don't know that there is a person on Earth who has had more strangers insert gloved hands into his mouth than myself. Um, so, here is my theory. I've had great dental hygienists, and I've had terrible ones, and I've had ones in the middle. The first thing that I look for in a dental hygienist is... Are they expert at removing plaque without hurting me unnecessarily? Which is a real talent and a real skill. The second thing I look for is are they able to deliver 20 to 30 minute long monologues without needing any input from me <laughs> that will be of interest to me? So, for instance, my current dental hygienist, who's just brilliant, um, is both excellent at the plaque scraping and wonderfully talented when it comes to, I sit down, she says, so I saw the Paper Towns movie, and then proceeds to talk for 20 minutes in a very interesting way about all the strengths and weaknesses she feels were in the Paper Towns movie. And then when the whole thing is over, I can respond, right? So it, it's just a different right. kind of conversation. I have a question for you. Yes. What, what is this person's job title again? Dental hygienist. 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 Dental hygienist. What is this person's job it's a, title? It's no, no T. There's no T. Have I been saying hygienist this whole time? It, uh, do, you, do you have good dental hygient? I do. I have excellent dental hygient. Now, I didn't in my teens. That's why I'm in this mess in the first place. Dental hygienist? Dental, dental hygienist. Dental hygienist. Dental hygienist. I want to say tist. Because, because it's dentist. dentist. Yeah. There's a T in dentist. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's not den Dennis. It's not just Dennis. It's the, your friend, the Dennis. My friend, my friend, my, my friend Dennis, who is a hygienist. That's how I'll remember it. Okay. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we could. We also have a little, little more information for you there, Jeff. Call, call them a dental hygienist and they might respect you more. To be fair, in his question, Jeff did call them a dental hygienist. It's all on me, not on Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that people just want to, like, they're bored. They don't want to just scrape teeth all day. They also want to interact with humans. Yeah, you have to imagine your dental hygienist complexly and understand that, uh, you know, they want to have a social interaction. And also they want you to be as comfortable as possible. And I think that's a lot of it. Like, it's not comfortable when someone is both scraping away at your teeth and yeah. doing so silently because that feels like a threat. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's important. I agree. John, we have another question. This one is from Bethany, who asks, Dear Hank and John, my question is, why do you think our culture is so obsessed with zombies? Well, Bethany, uh, I don't know what Hank's answer is going to be, but this is mine. Uh, let me submit to you that I am not entirely sure who is running the show inside my brain. Uh, why do I want granite countertops in my kitchen? Mm. Why? Is it because I am, in fact, kind of similar to a zombie? Is it because I am also not making conscious decisions? Is it because I am also sort of making the default choice because I don't really ultimately have control over my consciousness, but am, in fact a cog in a much larger machine? That makes me think that maybe we write about zombies because we fear that we are zombies. I think we write about zombies and think about zombies because the you know in, in the history of humanity, the scariest things have tended to be the things that kill us, and we are usually killed by, uh, you know, as, as humans, humans get killed by disease. Microbes. Mostly microbes. Yeah, if nowadays. Your theory, if your theory were correct, let me argue, if your theory were correct, all of the you things You haven't that, heard my theory uh, yet. I know what you're going to be. Which is yeah. that, the, that the zombie is, the per, is, like, a, is like, a, like a monsterization of disease. Instead of disease being this invisible cloud that is everywhere and, and, like, and like you accidentally walk into it, it is a disease that attacks you physically and that the disease is transmitted through violent acts. God, unfortunately, I love that theory. I was so ready to disagree with you, but I think that's brilliant because I think, uh, I think, that, what I, I, I think that we are all afraid of disease, but we find it very difficult to personify disease. Right. Movies about diseases are scary, but they're not, like, horror scary. They're psychologically scary. Yeah, so you might have noticed, by the way, that Catherine just turned the shower off. Yeah, so there's less background noise. We're doing this in record time, you Yeah, guys. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, so if it just got quieter, that's because the shower has ended. Um, We're not a- in the bathroom with Catherine, to be clear. She's no, no, in the no, next no, no. room. Yeah, there's a separate thing, but, you know, yeah, yeah okay. But shares a wall. Okay, point being, um, disease is something that uh, we have a very difficult time, like, both per- personifying but also, like, a- uh, actually, like, comprehending mm-hmm. uh, because, like, our human narrative uh, memories and, and, and ways of processing the world want to tell us that all the threats to us are the ones that we fear the most, mm-hmm. that the biggest threats are the ones that we fear the most. So, for instance, people are very afraid of dying by violence, mm-hmm. um, even though that is extremely unlikely, uh, or at least in the vast majority of, of places in the world, it's extremely unlikely. Um, and uh, people are not adequately afraid of uh, dying from texting while driving, right. even though that is one of the biggest threats to your life. So what we should what, what what you're saying is the next big thing will be the personification of texting while driving, yes. physically attacking and ripping apart teenagers in movies. Oh my God, what a great idea! <laughs> uh, not only have we discovered Jurassic Mars, the right. single greatest movie idea of all time, we've now discovered the second greatest movie of all time, a horror movie about texting while driving. <laughs> um, don't text while driving. And if you're listening to this in the car right now, friends, 
And you're texting. Oh, God. That's just, it's too much. Hank, I have forgotten that we have had an amazing, amazing development. Oh. Uh, which is that I, I know why bananas are um, he- hexagonal. Good or job. as I like to say, um, hexagonal. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got a tweet from somebody t- yeah. explaining to us why, why why bananas are hexagonal. Yeah, I just got to find it. Where is my liked t- tweets? How do you find the tweets? That, oh, likes. It's right there. <laughs> um, okay, so this is from Brilliant Botany, uh, who seems like an expert based on their Twitter handle. Let me see if I can find out anything more. It's a blog about the amazing world of plants and how we study them. Total expert. Brilliant Botany, at Brilliant Botany, check them out on Twitter, writes, To answer the banana-shaped question, it has to do with the shape of the banana flower ovary. This makes, yes, this is good. The banana ovary has three locules, chambers, with two lines of ovules in each. Three times two equals six, a.k.a. a hexagon. <laughs> That's amazing. So it isn't it isn't anything to do with the functionality of the banana only that the that it's just sort of a, an artifact of what the banana once was like when it was bef- before it was a banana. It's an artifact of the shape of the flower ovary. Yeah. Yes. That's really cool. That is pretty cool. But it makes sense because that's what it that's what the banana comes out of. Yeah. The banana is sort of forced as I yeah. imagine it through you may now hear a hairdryer. Um, <laughs> the banana is forced through uh, the flower, right? I don't know exactly. I yeah, also just, don't know. But yeah, it comes uh, out of the flower ask, vagina. Ask Brilliant Botany. Uh, yeah. At Brilliant Botany on Twitter for all your questions about banana shapes. But I will often get people who are like, what is the evolutionary reason why X? Yeah. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's just like, this is how things happened and we're stuck. Like the evolutionary reason... Like why we have two arms and two legs instead of like an extra like an extra set of arms is just because like the first thing that was the common ancestor of all mammals had you know these sort of two little thin things in front and it had a little thing in the back and eventually like every that's why all mammals and birds and reptiles like all like vertebrates have four, except for fish four have limbs four limbs I've always wanted to have six limbs like, like Goro four arms like Goro in Mortal Kombat. Um, was that his name? Just, just checking. Yeah. Um, if you hear Hank typing, it's because yeah. he's yeah, we doing, were right. He's doing live research, <laughs> live research here on Dear Hank and John. Okay, Hank, I, I want to do a couple. The more thing questions. that bothers me about Goro is that he has two sets of arms, but only one set of pectoral muscles. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how that works. Right. Like, how does he move the bottom arms? Yeah. But to be fair, though, as I recall, he wasn't a particularly effective villain on Mortal, at least in Mortal Kombat 2, which was the one I played a lot. Um, and also, when I say played a lot, I should also say play a lot because uh, now we have this stand-up arcade machine in our office which, which uh, yeah. I use a lot um, and I enjoyed playing the Mortal Kombat I love playing NBA Jam I'm really dating myself here Hank but remember NBA Jam? Nope okay, it was, Double Dribble? It was after Double Dribble you've just dated yourself tremendously <laughs> no one who listens to this podcast was even alive That's not when true. Double Dribble was released That's not true um, No, so uh, NBA Jam it was two on two and uh, it, remember, it was like amazing dunks. They could do like okay, they yeah, could spin yeah. while uh-huh. dunking, and then they would dunk, and then the announcer would always be like Abracadabra yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually an account you can follow on Twitter. I think it's it's an NBA Jam account, and just occasionally it tweets one of the things that the announcer would say when someone dunked on NBA Jam. Um, that's that's its entire <laughs> existence as a Twitter. All right, let's answer another question from a reader, a viewer. 
Uh, this one is from Grell from Kyrgyzstan. That's the good question I want to get to at the very end. I want oh, you to want be to get our the, last question. It was such a good question. It's I wanted to get to it as quickly question. as possible, but I guess we'll skip that one from now. We'll get back to Grell's question at the end. Uh, this one is from Sean, who asks, Dear Hank and John, For our second anniversary, my girlfriend has taken me to Wales in the UK for the Doctor Who experience, where I will get to be on the set of David Tennant's TARDIS. I don't know how to beat her idea for our anniversary, so do you guys have any suggestions for a gift or anything? I need help. It's in two weeks. Smiley face. Uh, well, Sean, first I say this isn't a competition. You guys are... You just want to make the other person happy, not make the other person less feel less good about your gift because yours is better than theirs. Right, exactly. If you, if you, then you get into an arms race, right? And this uh, did not work for the Soviet Union, Sean, so I don't think that it's going to work for you. You don't want to keep raising the stakes of birthday presents. Hank and I did that the first few years on Vlogbrothers and oh, it became God. a disaster. It was a disaster. At the, at, by the end of it, it was like, okay, so I've created 48 hours of work for myself. Yeah. Did, uh, but it was wonderful. It was nice. To it was be able great. To do the thing, and but I'm glad that but we, we had to, we had to call an end to the war. It was a kind, it had become a kind of war where I hated Hank for having birthdays. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is the problem, and I couldn't even really enjoy the gifts that he would get for me because I would just be like, "Well, this means that I have to do something extraordinary now." <laughs> um, secondly, Sean, uh, I'm a little concerned. That you've waited until two weeks out to begin considering this two-year anniversary present. My rule with anniversaries is that you begin considering it the number of months before the anniversary it is. Well, that only works up to a certain point because... No. No, no, no. What about your your 57th? It works all the way up. 57 months before. I feel like 60 months before your 60th anniversary, maybe you can do that, but not before your 59th, because you know you're going to be working so hard on the 60th anyway. The crazy thing is that at some point, you're working on like 20 or 30 different anniversaries at once. (laughs) This is true. There's there's a math problem I'm not a mathematician, but but according to my strategy, at some point, I will be working on more than one anniversary at a time. Very, fairly soon. Um... Well, yeah. Right now. Let's hope. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the, the alternative is terrible. Um, what does it take? 13 years before you're yes. working on? Yeah. Okay. So right. my, we've only been married for nine years. Okay. So this, my strategy still works great. Anyway, Sean, long story short, you've waited too long. Just give up. Yeah. I think what you want to do is pretend like uh, that this is a, an anniversary present your girlfriend is getting for both of you. <laughs> uh, a, that is the is, most dubious, dubious <laughs> advice in the history of this podcast. Yeah, just be like, this, is, this isn't a gift you're giving to me. It is an experience we are having together. And then take her out to a nice Doctor Who-themed dinner. Yeah, maybe a Doctor Who-themed dinner. Unless she doesn't care about Doctor Who at all. Just take her out something that she loves to do in Wales. So let me tell you some stuff that they do in Wales. Never been there myself, but um, I have... uh, I I do know them by reputation, and I watch a lot of Welsh soccer, because that's where Swansea City plays, um, due to that being where Swansea is. Um, Also, (laughs) Cardiff City. Uh, I watch a lot of Welsh soccer, come to think of it. So anyway, um, take her to a uh, Swansea City game. Right, yes, they seem to enjoy that. Well, you know what, Sean? I can't help but... I've got a question for you. If you're going to Wales in the UK, that implies that you don't currently live in the UK, which means that you're probably flying to Wales... Uh, Probably going to take a train. From... If he's not in the UK... Yeah. He probably is going to fly oh, he's not, to... He's not in the... I figured he was from... from no, no, no. My, taking me to Wales in the UK implies that he isn't oh, from the UK. Okay, yeah. So they're probably going to fly to... 
London, where, where AFC Wimbledon plays every Saturday. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, we've done it, Sean. You're going to an AFC Wimbledon game. It's so nice to be here with you in person, so we could say that in unison. Because our phones, when we're doing this, uh, <laughs> it's like there's this like three second delay, and it makes everything impossible. Oh, you're going to an AFC Wimbledon game, uh, Sean's partner. Uh, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Um, I'll even get you the tickets. They're 10 bucks. Um, gosh. Okay, we need to do one more question before we get to the question uh, from Grell from, Pac- uh, from Kyrgyzstan, which I'm so excited about Grell's question. Um, Katie has a question that I, I quite like. I wanted to answer Will's question. Okay, well, you, let's do, you could do Will. Okay. There's like 8,000 Katies out there who are like, ah, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was a different Katie. I don't know if you have that, if we have that many listeners, actually. <laughs> I think you might have exaggerated. That we don't have an abundance of Catherines. Ba-dum-bump. Oh! Okay. Um, this question is from Will, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've been a supporter of AFC Wimbledon since listening to this podcast. That's a great reason to start <laughs> and a great time to start. However, I recently learned that one of my absolute favorite podcasts ever, Freakonomics, also supports and sponsors an English uh, league football team, the mighty Dun Cow Football Club. I can't seem to find any information on whether AFC, Wimbledon, and Duncow will be direct competitors because I'd hate to have to pick, and I'm not sure what uh, I would do. Is this something I should worry about? It is something you should worry about because it implies that Dear Hank and John might be your second favorite podcast. And that's, that's the biggest a concern problem. To me. Another concern is that Freakonomics potentially stole our idea. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that Freakonomics, uh, they plagiarized us. That would be plagiarism, I mean, right? frankly, what... Are the odds that why would this idea happen twice? It is a dumb idea. Yeah. So it should not not be something that happened two times. So if I were you, I would not be terribly concerned. I'm looking up right now on where uh, where precisely Duncow FC is uh, in in the world. Um, it does not seem that they are very likely to ever um, ever ever play AFC Wimbledon. Here's a couple of, of reasons. Um, they are a Sunday uh, football uh, team. They play, they're like a Sunday league team, which means that they're probably below the ninth division. Mm. So they'd have That's to get six down. promotions. Yeah. So either the earliest AFC Wimbledon could play Duncan FC, I think, is in three years if AFC Wimbledon were relegated in three consecutive years right. and Duncan were promoted in three consecutive years. Yeah. That seems very unlikely to me. Yeah, Not so least I, because AFC Wimbledon is ninth in their what? league. Oh, it's such great news. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But yes, I think you're okay. I don't think Duncow is ever going to play AFC Wimbledon. If they do, it will be a big moment for us, though, because we will find out if um, Will prefers Freakonomics or, or uh, Dear Hank and John. That's, I'm terrified. What was, the question from, what was the question from Katie? There was a uh, question from Katie. Let me do Katie asked, uh, dear Hank and John, around the time we started college, I did something to my best friend that was very selfish and unkind. We we remained friends despite this, but eventually my guilt took over and I began to distance myself to the point where we we no longer speak. It's been several years now, and based on uh, social media, it seems like she is in a good place in her life. I would like to believe that I could finally be the friend she deserves, so I decided to reach out by sharing something that we both used to find humorous but she has yet to respond. I would like to try again with something more sincere, but I worry that bringing the past, me, back into her life would be selfish and harmful. Am I... I am wondering... I'm wondering, is it actually unkind to interject myself and apologize in this situation, or is it worth it for another shot at a once-great friendship? 
That's a good question, and I think that probably it differs on specifics, but in general, I would say that it is never wrong to apologize as long as you do not ask for or expect a response. Yes. In fact, what I, I would say is that it, it is probably a helpful thing to let your friend know that you recognize that you did a thing wrong. The reason why you retracted is not because you don't like her, but because you didn't like yourself and what you had done. And just let them know that and say that that is a thing you are letting them know, not that is a, a overture for a rekindled friendship. Right. I think that, um, you know, you need to let her make that decision. Yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you about the time that my uh, college girlfriend got back in touch with me? Who's a lovely person. I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of her. But, um, so, but we didn't speak for seven years, and then uh, she emailed me, um, and she said, uh, "I thought you would find this book interesting, dear John. I thought you would find this book interesting." Signed her name, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You're kidding me, right? <laughs> that's just that's it." Like, we didn't talk for eight years, and then you just saw a book on Amazon, and you were like, oh, that reminds me of that guy. <laughs> but anyway, it actually led to a very productive do you, conversation. Do you know what that book was? I do. I do remember it. Yeah. Uh, could, it, could it be one of the sponsors of this day's podcast? No, it's, it's a really dark, personal <laughs> thing. <Okay. laughs> That was the other thing about yeah, it, is that yeah, it was, like, yeah. weirdly intimate. Right, yeah. Um, this no. this episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Weirdly Dark Personal Things. <laughs> weirdly Dark Personal Things. Not discussed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, today's episode of Dear Hank and John is also brought to you by the letter T. The letter T. <laughs> Only appearing in the word hygienist once. <laughs> This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Duncow Football Club. <laughs> Six times worse than AFC Wimbledon. <laughs> this episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week. And it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house. And Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online and then, like, just quickly shipped to the doorstep, it's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm, like, on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. <laughs> and, of course, this episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by the question... From Kyrgyzstan. 
Buckwheat <laughs> that we are going to answer okay, now. Okay, we said we were going to do it. We're going to do it. We're very excited. This is one of the best questions I have to say that I have ever seen, not just on this podcast, but ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am fascinated by this question. I feel like we should devote several episodes to it. Um, but instead, we're just going to try our be- best to answer it. Um, I said this person's name wrong earlier. Uh, I think, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Grell from Kyrgyzstan. Dear John and Hank, Yesterday, my teacher asked, which one of you would like to own a Ferrari? And everyone raised their hand. Then he asked, but what if you knew that everyone else in the world also had a Ferrari and almost everyone put their hands down? This got me to thinking about you, and by you, I mean people from the West. You often refer to countries as developed and developing, which to me sounds as if you're hoping that one day we'll all be quote-unquote developed. But how is that even possible? Sure, you could probably make it so that everyone in the world had food to eat and didn't die from preventable diseases, but other than that, there is absolutely no way for everyone in the world to have the same quality of life as you do in the West, and some countries in East Asia, of course. I mean, who is going to be sewing the clothes and making the mobile phones? Surely the demand for those things will dramatically increase if every country is developed, but there won't be any way to get cheap labor anymore. I'm sorry if this question sounds as if I'm not... I'm sorry if this question sounds as if I'm putting blame on anyone. I'm really not. I just don't understand. That is a great question. Yes, it is kind of the question of modern economics. So, like... Panic or not? The optimist's response to this question is that the the overall size of the pie right. can increase. And so while there remains, you know... Uh, People with smaller slices. Exactly. So while there remains economic inequality, the overall size of the pie can increase. And we have seen this with hundreds of millions of people emerging from poverty in the last 30 years, mostly in China and Brazil and India, countries that have, you know, developed dramatically. But what we mean when we talk about, quote-unquote, emerging from poverty often means going, you know, from a place where you are in that extreme poverty that Grell's writing about, where you, uh, you know, you don't have food security um, and, 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 you know, people often die of preventable diseases, to going to a place where you're making $10 a day instead of $2 a day or mm-hmm. $1 a day. Um, and that's not what we would think of in the West as, you know middle class or as a you know or even working class we Mm -hmm. would think of that as poverty yes yeah and there 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 are a number of big questions here i mean we start out with the question of whether want like whether wanting something uh necessitate necessitates uh inequality Mm -hmm. because you only want the things that you can't have and if everybody could have it then you wouldn't want it Mm -hmm. if it were just like you know if it were a yugo you wouldn't want a ferrari if if every person had a ferrari who cares Mm -hmm. just like you know now like it used to be a luxury item to have a refrigerator in america and it no longer is right the refrigerator example is actually the example that i that i would use uh in in terms of what i think about with development Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that we can live in a world where everyone has a refrigerator. Yes. And I think that would dramatically increase quality of life for billions of people. And I think that is a good goal. Mm-hmm. I I think that living your life in a way that requires or necessitates an underclass is very problematic. And that almost everyone in the West lives their life that way, including right. you and me. Yeah. You and yeah. I, including you and me. You yes. and me. I'm sticking the, with my original. And the, uh, and, and the hope is that there is a future in which those products can be created without 
uh, without a necessary underclass. Right. I mean, uh, a little bit that is the hope. I mean, I think that's a very optimistic hope. I think that, like, any time you're pinning all of your hopes on uh, sort of mere capitalism, right. if any time you're pinning your right. hopes only on the market, I think that you are maybe being too optimistic about what markets can do. Um, but not just what they can do, but what they choose, they, they tend to do. Yeah, what yeah. they tend to do is they tend to uh, put a lot of money in a few hands. Yeah, um, and th- yeah, and that's true. I mean, I don't want to sound like a Marxist, but yeah. <laughs> but but Marx, we, we've but, seen it happen. But Marx was a, was a good and interesting political economist. <laughs> um, so I I mean I look I, I think. That we do, when you say, like, uh, sure, you could probably make it so everyone in the world had food to eat and didn't die from preventable diseases, like, let's just stop there and say, yes, let's do that. Yeah. Like, I think that that is a, that is a good goal. I remember being in, uh, when I was in Ethiopia with the CEO of the Gates Foundation, Sue Desmond Hellman, I think is her name, um, I said, you know, this is so complicated like i feel overwhelmed by the complexity of the problem of poverty i feel overwhelmed by how how do you address the infrastructure problems how do you address you know access access to things like better seeds so that uh the corn isn't is, is as high as it is in indiana where i live and not you know coming up to my knee how like i don't have i don't have any idea how to fix any of this and it is completely overwhelming and like I think rotavirus vaccines are great but I am totally overwhelmed and she said to me she said to me you just jumped over something that I think is very important which is that rotavirus vaccines will save 100,000 lives of kids under the age of 5 in the next 10 years and that's 100,000 mothers who don't have to bury their children and I, I, I think you, I, I think we in the West need to do a better job of listening uh, to people in the really in the poor world in Ethiopia, when they ask us what they need, what they want, you know, what what their goals are for their lives, and what what the number one thing that I heard was clean water, and I want my kids to live and get an education. Um, and so those are my those are my development goals is to listen better and then and then respond. But I also think it's really interesting to hear from. I mean, Kyrgyzstan is a middle income what what we would call in like development like a middle income country. Um, it's very interesting to hear that perspective because a lot of times we don't. Right. Anyway, it's a great question that I don't have a great answer for, obviously. I don't know if you do, Hank. I just talked a lot. <laughs> I talked as much as I could. That's all I had. Do you want to move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still you wanna... mulling this question. I feel like we should, I feel like we should uh, start a new podcast called Questions from Grill, in which <laughs> just this one person asks us really interesting questions. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, uh, oh, wait, right, we have to do the, nar- new, the yeah. NARS from Moose and AFC Mumbleton. <laughs> Sounds great. And this week's Mars news, or Mars NARS. I call it, I call it NARS Moose. <laughs> <laughs> and this week's NARS Moose. Yeah. Uh, scientists have done a lot of research on how Mars became not wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Became less good place for people. Let's yeah, let's take another step back and just celebrate how much better Earth is than Mars. Yeah. Period. Oh Full man. Full stop. Yes, definitely. Is there a way that Mars is better than Earth? No. No. Not really. really no. Not. I mean. You you could you could say that there are, there are ways in which it outranks us. 
and like just sort of just mass. No, I mean it doesn't. It's smaller than Earth, mm. but uh, it's but colder. Colder? Yeah. Yeah, there's more cold. Do you love winter? Do you? You'll love Mars. Do you hate there being too many a- atoms in the atmosphere? <laughs> you ever, have you ever wanted to, like, uh, uh, jump, but wished that you couldn't jump quite as high? Yeah, you could jump higher on Mars. Damn it. <laughs> I just told you it was less massive. And that it had less of an atmosphere. Yeah, well, that's the, the thickness of the atmosphere doesn't really hold you back that much. A little bit. A little is, bit. A little bit. Stops us. you from going all the way out. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it does. If I were on Mars, correct me if I'm wrong, and I jumped, like, re- like if I, I mean, obviously, okay. I don't have great quad muscles, but, like, if I had better, if I was better at jumping, it would be easier for me to leave Mars's, um, you know, orbit. Yeah. That, right? It yeah. would be easier for me to leave Mars than Earth. Right. Well, yes, because of gravity. But if I wanted to get but to Pluto, even, even that's that's almost all because of gravity. But I, but I will tell you how you are right. Okay. If there was a ball the size of of Mars yep. that had Earth's atmosphere, yep. it would be harder to jump off of that planet than it would be to jump off of Mars. Right. Because there's more atmosphere to push through. Right. Uh, so it's overwhelmingly a better place to play basketball. <laughs> As long as you have a respirator, <laughs> like in a full spacesuit, yes. Mars is the worst. Why do we talk about it every week? Uh, well, one one of the reasons Mars is the worst is because once upon a time it had a nice thick atmosphere, yeah. but it no longer does. And the reason for that is the sun. The sun is great. Yeah. It is a nice thing for us to have here on Earth. Strongly life, in favor. Life would mostly not exist without it, though it would a little bit at the in deep sea vents and such. Uh, but... Mars, uh, Mars's uh, atmosphere was ionized and blown away by the by energy from the sun, and this happens on Earth, uh, and it continues to happen on Mars, but it happens less on Earth because we have a strong magnetic field, uh-huh. and there is uh, there is a belief that Mars probably used to have a magnetic field and thus mm-hmm. was able to hold on to its atmosphere, and then when its magnetic field stopped. It lost its atmosphere, and we have now been able to model quite accurately uh, what what uh, what exactly happened to Mars's atmosphere. And it's a bummer, man. It's too bad. Uh, so, quick question: yeah. Is our atmosphere going to blow away if the magnetic field stops? Which what? is that going to happen? No, no. I mean, potentially in billions of years. Oh, I'm not worried about that. We don't even have thousands of years. Um, <laughs> let's get to the news from AFC Wimbledon. Let's celebrate what really matters. Yeah, so, right, because we are only going to be here for a little while, and all of the things that we learn about Mars while we are here will be rendered irrelevant by our inevitable uh, non-existence as a species. And so will all the go- goals we have scored in soccer matches, but that does not matter because both of those things matter to us. They matter now. They matter to us, which is the only kind of mattering. Uh, and in incredibly exciting exciting news. <laughs> AFC Wimbledon, uh, you might remember the last podcast, I talked about how they're going to be playing Portsmouth, a team that was once recently in the Premier League, but then got demoted a bunch of times uh, due to uh, going bankrupt and is now owned by its fans, but they still have incredible support. Um, I don't know if you know this, Hank, Portsmouth is actually, it's a town in England. It is, um, it has a port in the no, mouth of a river. No, incorrect. Oh. It is called Portsmouth. Because it is the place where port, the liquor, was invented, oh. and the mouth is where you drink it. Really? No, no. It's because it's the, it's at the mouth of a river. Um, it's because it's a port city. Yeah, because I was I'm like, I'm pretty sure port must have been ex- also invented somewhere where there was a port. No, no, no. It's total coincidence. Um, 
Port uh, is just, uh, it's, it's an anagram of trop, <laughs> which is uh, the kind of grape you use to make port. That is correct. You don't have to look it up, I promise. Um, don't even bother going to Wikipedia, I'm quite sure. Uh, you can just Google... Port wine. Yes, uh, I'm right. Uh, we played Portsmouth. And it's, do you a, know, it's a Portuguese fortified wine. Portuguese. It is from Portugal. It's from Portugal. Yes. Vino de Porto. Oh, Vino de Porto. Oh, interesting. Yep. All right. So um, it has nothing to do with ports then, except that Portugal has a bunch of them. Due <laughs> Probably, to being, I assume. Due to having all of... All of Portugal, sp- which, is, uh, which is Portuguese for... Port. Land of ports. <laughs> Port- <laughs> Portugal, which, uh, according, according to Spain, has all of Spain's ports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Right. Hey, guys. So the news from Mars... And, blah, blah, blah. Right. So the news from AMC Wimbledon is this. We played Portsmouth, who at the time were third in the table. And do you know what happened, Hank? Can you imagine the most dramatic outcome to a football game? Uh, yes. What would it be? Uh, at, the, at the 89th minute, yes. the ball yes. comes into the goal area, yes. bounces off the post, yes. bounces off someone's foot, yes. bounces off the post again, yes. bounces off the back of the goalie's head, yes. and into the goal! Yes. That's not what happened. It was a nil-nil draw. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nil-nil draw for AFC Wimbledon against Portsmouth. But that's great. It's a good point away from home against a team who's higher up in the table. So now we're ninth instead of tenth. Uh, we are currently ninth in the table. More importantly, uh, AFC Wimbledon, Hank, you'll remember the Dons Trust owns the team. Every, every fan of AFC Wimbledon uh, is an equal owner of the team. And so on, in, on big decisions, we all vote together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all needed to vote to sell the current stadium to Chelsea so that we can afford to buy or to build the new stadium that we want to build uh, in the historic home of Wimbledon's football club. So we have completed that last vote. It has succeeded. So once we get planning permission and the money to build the new stadium, we will also get the money for selling the old stadium, the stadium where we uh, we currently play. And that was a vital part of this long-term plan to hopefully by 2018 uh, be playing in a state-of-the-art um, fan-owned stadium uh, in the heart of uh, the Wimbledon community. So that was a big, big deal. The um, the votes passed. It's all done, except now we need planning permission from uh, the council, the local council there, and uh, then we're going to need to raise just a small amount of $10 million. <laughs> I have a question, John. Yeah. AFC Wimbledon is a fan-owned team. Yes. What would happen yeah. if AFC Wimbledon... Due to the weirdness of the world, yep. in ten years or so, or, or, is is throwing off a billion dollars in profit a year. Would you get right. some of that? Mm, I mean, I don't think so. I don't. This is so far from ever being a concern. That I've never heard a single Wimbledon fan discuss the possibility. <laughs> My understanding is that uh, if. A- AFC Wimbledon were, were making a billion dollar profit. That billion dollars would be invested uh, back into the team or the community. So AFC Wimbledon also has a foundation uh, where a percentage of their money goes, you know, to support local charities and other initiatives. So it might go to the foundation. I don't think that it would go to me. Um, however, 
Uh, I am ready to see that day when we are making that billion-dollar profit. By the way, other other football clubs that don't make a profit include Manchester United, <laughs> Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. So I think it's pretty pretty far down the road that we've got to worry too much about making money. All right. Well, John, this was a wonderful day on Dear Hank and John. What did we learn? Well, uh, we learned that hygienist only has one T. We learned that John Green has had more hands in his mouth than any other human on Earth, according to John Green. We learned uh, that uh, globalization and development and, and Ferrari acquisitions are extremely complicated, and that anybody who claims to have absolute certainty about any of it is probably lying. And we learned that your anniversary is not a competition. But you should start planning several months in advance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, 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 love, love is not a competition, but, uh, you know. But it is. I mean, but, you do keep score, and there is a winner at the end, right? <laughs> Whoever's around longest. <laughs> that's, that's, uh... Oh, it always ends in death here at Dear Hank and John. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to ask us questions, you can do so at hankandjohn at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to everybody who sent in questions this week. I'm sorry that there were so many good ones and too few to get to, uh, but that's always the case. Um, and uh, what else do we say at the end here, Hank? You can find us on Hank. You can find us on Twitter at Hank Green or John Green. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. I can't believe that you just missed an opportunity to promote your own Snapchat. My Snapchat is at Hank GRE. <laughs> the theme music is from Gunnarola, and as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, be awesome. awesome.